at who has the greatest moat, it's a lot easier to say someone has a moat on the plant touching side than it is to say on the software side, especially post farm bill. You see a lot of guys like a square getting into payments or Shopify, things like that, where we don't want to be investing in a company that can be very easily disintermediated by an incumbent the second that they decide to enter sort of the cannabis or cannabis ancillary realm. We want to be with guys that we feel are protected in the long term. From MJ Bulls Media, it's the Raising Cannabis Capital Show. Today in Raising Cannabis Capital, we are continuing this month's Cannabis Investor Spotlight Series with Sean Stiefel from Navy Capital. Sean, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, you founded Navy Capital, and I guess you identified the, the cannabis opportunity really early on because back in 2014 is when you really got this thing going. And I've heard you refer to cannabis as a super theme, which I love. What do you mean by that? I think in general in financial markets, you tend to get these secular bull markets. And some are interesting, some are not so interesting, and some are small and some are big. Classify anything that represents greater than $100 billion of potential annual revenue as very big. And cannabis definitively fits into that super theme mold of a huge opportunity, tangible, real, and we'll get there. It's not there today, but I have full confidence this will be a $100 billion-plus industry and a theme that most fund managers and most investors are going to want exposure to. So like a cryptocurrency, autonomous cars, those are like super themes. Yeah, autonomous cars, space, things like that. Space. Yeah, so cannabis and exploration of space. We're kind of all in the same boat, right? Yeah, I mean, these are tangible markets that will be huge one day. We're just not there today. Yeah. I think cannabis is probably uh, the furthest along of all of those, but you know, one day we'll look forward to very investable opportunities in space. Well, cannabis is definitely something we can all get our head around. I mean, it's a lot easier for me to think about growing a cannabis plant than walking on Mars. <laughs> Maybe that's why there are so many companies in the cannabis space right now growing like crazy and looking for funding. What type of matrix do you guys use to determine what companies to invest in? Yeah, I would also say there's so many companies because in the U.S. you have basically every state is its own country. And so there's very few economies of scale. There's been very little consolidation. There's a ton of independent companies that are going to struggle to raise capital. And this is what this opportunity right now in the market is, is to consolidate and then to finance the guys that we ultimately believe are going to be around in five years. I think generally speaking, if you're making a cannabis investment today and it's still alive in five years, it's probably a lot more valuable than it is today. So to that point, I think the market's shifted somewhat from a revenue, sort of a forward revenue multiple. So if guys would go out a year or two and put a multiple on that to much more of an EBITDA multiple in conjunction with the ability for a company to turn profitable and to not burn through all their cash. Mm -hmm. So for us, I think we're pretty focused on sort of 2020 EBITDA. It's kind of the, if you ask me what the single most important metric is today, it's probably 2020 EBITDA. 
And then obviously we would caveat that depending on if it was a super early free revenue company versus a much more mature company. Okay. Are there specific sectors that you are more interested than others? Yeah, our view has always been we want to be where it's most inefficient and where there's the fewest number of players. And so there's the greatest arbitrage opportunity. And for us, that's typically U.S. plant-touching operators and what they're able to do. Uh, there's very few dollars coming to the space right now where one of a handful of players and the terms we're able to structure are more attractive today than they've ever been. And I'd argue it's less competitive today than it's ever been uh, in terms of getting access to great deals. So we're pretty focused on doing exactly that and going after where we kind of think the tip of the spear of this trade is, which is ultimately U.S. plant-touching operators. Part of that is because a lot of institutional investors are staying away from the plant-touching investment opportunities. So you have fewer competitors offering investments in that sector, I suspect. Yeah, and it's not just the investments. It's also, if you look at who has the competition on the investor landscape, if you look at who has the greatest moat, it's a lot easier to say someone has a moat on the plant-touching side than it is to say on the software side especially post-farm bill, you see a lot of guys like a square getting into payments or Shopify, things like that, where we don't want to be investing in a company that can be very easily disintermediated by an incumbent the second that they decide to enter sort of the cannabis or cannabis ancillary realm. We want to be with guys that we feel are protected in the long term. Mm-hmm. Is your interest in hemp as well for like hemp farmers? We have investments directly in CBD players and hemp farmers and different places, the hemp and CBD value chain. But I think holistically, it's more efficient. There's more players. We want to really be where the most growth and the most inefficiencies are, which we continue to maintain as THC. Let's skip over from the companies that you invest in, and let's talk about investing in Navy Capital. I read someplace, and I I may have read this incorrectly, so please correct me if I'm wrong, but I saw someplace where you had a 46% return. Did I read that right? Yeah, 2018, I think the number was 48% after fees. We made some very good macro calls in terms of getting out of positions when they got too expensive. You had a few different kind of 40 50% runs in the course of 2018, and I think one of the things we did really well was taking profits on the public side when the time was right. And obviously what you saw was sort of a euphoric market. Again, prior to kind of late Q3 of 2018, there weren't that many interesting U.S. operators that were public. And so most of what we did on the public side were Canadian operators. It makes a lot of difference when you understand the industry and you have feelers throughout the industry. So you know when things are overvalued or you know when things are probably not in the right place versus somebody that's just dabbling in this because this industry is moving so quickly. Give our listeners just kind of an overview as to some of the perils that (laughs) the industry, just investing on your own in this industry can present. I think that you had a market in Canada where before the first legal rec sale was ever made, there was almost $100 billion of public market cap. And so what that says to me, and let's even be optimistic and say the Canadian opportunity on the rec side is $10 billion. So you had a 10 times 
total market sales multiple assigned before the first dollar was ever sold. And so that's not a value market. That's not a fundamental market. That is a momentum speculative market. And I think the difference between that and what you're seeing today is we believe that a lot of the U.S. operators right now are trading at extremely attractive fundamental valuations that you never saw before in public cannabis. So for us, we feel really good about backing these horses in the U.S. I think there's about $15 billion of total public market cap for the U.S. operators in what we view as ultimately a $100 billion-plus opportunity. And so we think that there will be tens of billions, if not hundreds of billions, of public market cap created for U.S. operators from here. Wow. If a cannabis company wants to talk to you about investing in their company or if an investor wants to talk to you about managing their cannabis portfolio, what should they do? Two things. I think you can always reach out to IR at NavyCapital.com. It's our investor relations as well as kind of our, our inbound email address. We get, as you can imagine in this environment, dozens of pitches a week and more and more investor interest in, as things have kind of come down so much. We're starting to see, I think you alluded to earlier, is that the fund tends to be a leading indicator for the space. I think we had a ton of interest uh, in terms of investors coming into the fund in Q3 and Q4 of last year ahead of a huge run. Starting to see that again as sort of institutions kind of come back to the table and say, all right, you know, you've had a 40, 50, 60% drawdown in the market. It's probably a good time to put money to work in the space. All the while, the broader S&P feels a little rich. Elizabeth Warren might be the president. Pretty good time to go take a look at cannabis. Yeah. And we are the largest hedge fund with the longest audited track record in the space. So we feel pretty good about our position as it relates to the institutionalization of cannabis. Well, we've been speaking with Sean Stiefel from Navy Capital. And all his contact information and investor information will be on the MJ Bulls website. Sean, very informative. I appreciate you dropping in and spending some time with us today. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your cannabis business podcast, The Talking Hedge, and newest member on PodCon X. So come on over and check out The Talking Hedge. We talk about business news, interviews, investments, events, all that stuff. So come nerd out with me over at The Talking Hedge. You can find me at thetalkinghedgepodcast.com or on all your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out.